They gave me the greatest gift I think that you can give somebody. And I want to see if you agree with me. If you think this is, if you think about of all the gifts we can give to the people we lead, the people we interact with, the people that we live with, I want to see if you agree with me that this is the greatest gift, the thing of most value that we can give. That's what I want to talk about in this Christmas week edition of the show. Leadership is the ability to facilitate movement in others toward a destination you can describe. I'm Russ Hill. I help build leaders. And this is the Culture Hacks Podcast. Happy holidays to you. If you're listening to this show at the time that we're... um, we're, that I'm recording it and we're making it, uh, we're publishing it, pushing it out. I, uh, I hope whatever, whatever faith you profess, whatever um, religion you're a part of, whether you're a part of n- nothing and you don't have any faith system, I, I still hope that it's a, it's a happy holiday season for you if you're listening to this at the time that, that, we, that we're pushing it out. I'm Russ Hill. I make my living working with executive teams to create greater clarity, alignment, and accelerate results, helping them facilitate the conversations that they most need to have. You can find out more about our firm at Lone Rock consulting.com and more about our online leadership tool, which is at leadin30.com. Okay. So a couple of stories that I want to share with you in this episode that, um, that are on my mind because of the holiday season. And for those of you that have listened for a long time to the show, you know, that I, I, uh, I'm a believer when it comes to religious faith. I grew up in, in, in a church. I've, I, I go to church every Sunday. I don't have any, any judgment at all uh, for anybody who chooses not to believe or who doesn't go to church or just whatever. I, that, that I could care less. This isn't a religious podcast, never has been, but it is one where I try to be, be raw and real and you, you get the complete me. And so um, I wanted to share so, some thoughts, and I think this all applies, well, I know, because of some of the stories, examples I'm going to share with you here in just a moment, this all applies to um, the way that we lead teams, and, uh, and, and it ties into the Christmas season. This is the most significant holiday, the most, the most important, precious, meaningful, well, this and Easter, right? In the Christian world, the, the, the week of Christmas is enormous. And, um, and that holiday has so much meaning, uh, to, to those of us that are Christians that believe in Jesus Christ and Easter is, you could even argue more important than, than, than Christmas. And, and again, whatever religion you are, or no religion at all, I, I don't think it really matters when it comes to what I want to talk about. So let's, let's go to, let's go to a, a story. And I want to share maybe two, maybe more than that. And um, let's start with let's start with one um, that happened when I was serving as a missionary for my church back when I was, you know, 19 years old. And I was, I, you know, I submitted some paperwork, paperwork and volunteered to leave for two years away from my family, put my career and everything on hold, uh, school, all of that to, to go serve other people and, and try to learn sacrifice and try to learn how to um you know, lay a foundation of my life. And so for me, that the, the, the choice was to go on this religious mission. So it was an awesome experience, I- incredible. My oldest son, as many of you know, just got back home from being away for two years. 
And, um, and, and so this has been a big part of our lives when I, when I went and they have very strict rules in these church missions. So you, you don't get to pick who you live with. You have this companion. That's what they call it. That's who you live with 24 seven. You can never be out of the same room. You have to be together. Um, and they're, they're kind of your safety check from a, from a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual standpoint. And uh, they're almost like your bodyguards, so to speak, and you are theirs. And you don't, but you don't get to pick who who you live with, who who you serve with, and then that rotates every six weeks or every two or three months, or you might be with the same person for four or five months. You just don't get you don't get to choose. And so one of the valuable things about this experience is you have to learn how to live with different people and people that you might not have wanted to pick um, as, as a good friend. So that was hugely valuable for me. So when I was serving um, as a nineteen year old. Part of the strict rules were you couldn't go out of this geographic boundary. It was pretty small area, like only a few miles. Right. And uh, and so I had a car in this particular area. And and so we knew all of us knew that, okay that was the boundary. We couldn't go past that road over there on the north of that road on the south, that road on the east and west. This is our area. We have to stay in this area. And um, while we're assigned to it and and I the, the long story short is I decided there was somebody that we had taught and I had become um, very um, well, I'd built a relationship with this was a family and 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 a man who we were teaching as part of this family, the father who I became um, very close to. It was an African-American family in, you know, Southern California. And here I was, this white Southerner from Texas and as white as white as they come as far as cultured and and uh, and all of that. But I, I, I it was just it was just such a such a meaningful friendship. And um, and it was a totally different lifestyle, a totally different upbringing that this guy had had and a totally just the cultural differences and the diversity was so awesome and made this made this relationship, this friendship even that much richer, if you will. And um, and so he moved. He moved out of our geographic area, this kind of box that we lived in, right, this square on the map. And, uh, and, and I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to him. So I wanted to say goodbye to him. So we decided a few of us missionaries decide young, young men, we decided we're going to drive over to his house. Like it was like half a mile or a mile out of, um, our geographic area. And I thought, well, there's no harm. We're not like causing any trouble. We're just going to meet this person and say goodbye, give him a hug. And then that's it. Right. And then drive right back into our area. So I justified it all day long. So we went, um, and we drove to, to his place. Well, the, the folks in charge of our mission, our area, found out, and uh, I lost the privilege of driving that car. I wasn't allowed, so I got a phone call. Long story short, I got a phone call. Hey, put the keys on the kitchen counter in the apartment. You're not allowed to drive it. You've lost the privilege. You knew the rules, and uh, and you broke them. And and I was, you know, I was bitter about it. <laughs> I was... Um, I, I, I didn't think it, you know, I I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to justify, Hey, but look at why we went, look at our motivation. And yet at the same time, I couldn't argue that, well, those were the rules and I broke them. And so I, I was, I was bitter about it. I was defensive about it. And some time passed and they have this, the person who's in charge of all the missionaries for a certain area, maybe two or 300 missionaries in a certain geographic area is called the mission president. 
and uh, and I had a meeting with him. Came up every four or six weeks, and so my my meeting time came up several weeks after. Um, I wasn't allowed to drive the car, so we had to go on bikes, right? We had to go bike um, and walk everywhere, even though we had a car, and, and we had to walk past the car in our apartment parking lot every time, look at it. It was like this brutal punishment, right, to see it and not be able to use it. It was a reminder every day of, of us breaking the rules and the punishment. And so this meeting came up with the mission president, and uh, and he asked me, as we were sitting face-to-face and talking about it, he asked me, so how you feeling about this? And I was apologetic, and I um, and I, I was humble about it. And he said, um, he gave us back the privilege of driving the car. And he said, I'm so, um, impressed with the way that you're responding to this because you could be bitter and you could be justifying what you did and you could be explaining it away, or you could just realize and acknowledge you broke the rule. You knew the rule doesn't matter why you broke it. You broke it. And, and so there's a consequence to it. And so he, he taught me this lesson. I don't have time in this episode to go into it in too much detail, but he taught, he taught me this lesson about how you respond in those moments when you make a mistake or you make a wrong decision or you fail and uh, you have a setback. So he, 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 taught, he taught me that and gave us the keys back. And it's been a powerful lesson that obviously it's been decades since that happened. I'm a little bit older than 19 now. And, uh, and I still, I still um, think about that experience. He gave me a second chance. I got to drive the car again. I got to go on and he ne- like that, that man, that mission president would never remember that, right? Like he wouldn't remember that experience probably three weeks later. And, and, uh, it, it wasn't on his mind. It wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things. And, um, and, 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 and he made it that way. So he gave me that second chance. And that, that's one experience I wanted to share. Another one was, and you all have heard me tell this story multiple times, um, the story of when I had um, the lowest engagement scores, employee engagement scores of any leader in our national company. I'm not going to walk you through that whole story because many of you heard me tell it many, many times. But it was a profound experience for me in my early leadership days, my early management days, when I was um, scored really the, the leader with the most toxic culture in our whole national company. There was no leader who sucked more at leading other people or whose team disliked their boss more than mine. You know, they, they just did not like the way that I led. And um, long story short, for the purpose of this episode, you know, my boss at the time, who I've told this story about, she made a decision in that moment not to fire me. And not to severely punish me and not to rub that in my face. But she made she made a decision instead to develop me because she saw potential in me and knew that, you know, she had this she had this reaction to those scores of, oh, my gosh, this needs to be addressed. This is not good. He needs to change. And I'm going to invest the time and energy into helping him. I think that I don't think that this score is a reflection of who he really is as a leader. You know, she was thinking these sorts of things, obviously, based on her behavior. And so she started developing me and having conversations and taking time with me to help me see things differently and to 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 change the way that I showed up as a leader. And in in other words, and, and for the sake of this podcast episode, she gave me a second chance. She saw more potential in me than I was demonstrating in the moment. And so at this Christmas time or in this holiday season, 
Um, to me, this is a holiday in the Christian world. Again, doesn't matter what religion you are, if one at, at all. This is a this is a season where we we celebrate second chances. That's what this holiday is really about. And to the Christian world, Jesus Christ represents forgiveness, the opportunity to overcome sin, weakness, challenges, wrong decisions, flaws, imperfections, all of that, and to overcome death, physical death, right? So a second chance that, you know, we, we, the Christian world believes that life doesn't end when you take your last breath on this earth, that that's the end of this existence, but that this is one act of a much longer, bigger play. And None of us can profess in any religion, no matter what our set of beliefs, we can't claim to have all the answers or to fully understand everything or, uh, you know, they're, they're, that's why faith is required in, in any system like this. And I think the same is, I think the same thing is required of developing others. So let me apply this to leadership for a second. So I, I think about great leaders give people second chances. Great leaders see people for not who they are today, but who they're what what their potential is, who they could be tomorrow. Great leaders are interested in developing and investing and helping. In fact, you could argue that that is the most rewarding part of leadership. It is the most fulfilling part of leadership, seeing someone who today doesn't maybe even potentially recognize or understand or fully grasp their potential, but you see it. Like you can see it in the man. He is such a great salesperson. He could have triple the, 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 the number he could deliver triple the number that he's delivering. Now, she is such an incredible, you know, leader of people and developer of people. And yet right now her team doesn't really like her or, or she's not whatever it might be, you know, great leaders see that potential in people and invest in them and, and put them in positions of faith. Because that person's not the best salesperson right now. Like when I was when I was early in management, I sucked at leading other people. Why would anyone give me that opportunity? I go back to if you think about my um, when I was first in the media business and Ann Schiller, who hired me and gave me a chance to do some reporting, news reporting, and I was eighteen years old. Well, I'm like what? And yes. You could argue, well, I was dirt cheap labor and Anna had like a budget of nothing. So it was very, I, I, it was convenient for her to use me as very cheap, almost like child labor. Yes, I, I serve some good purposes for Anne, but, but bigger than that, she saw a potential in me and, and she saw that I, I could be something that I wasn't yet. And so in this holiday season, in this time of Christmas for much of the world, um, I just, that's what's on my mind is second chances, the value of second chances and leaders. Can you think of anybody in your life? I'm sure you, the list is not short of people who have given you second chances, people who saw more potential in you than you saw in yourself, people who understand or are familiar with your flaws, your weaknesses, your, your darkest and most challenging moments, and yet still invest in you yet still um, give you an opportunity, yet still are trying to help you develop, yet are still giving you feedback and coaching and helping you along the way. Those are the people who in this journey of life, in our professional and personal journeys, we value the most. And so at this time of year, I would just have all of us, including and especially me, think about how good am I right now at getting second chances in seeing in others 
the, and leaning into their potential, who they could become and looking past and allowing them to not be defined by their mistakes, not be defined by their weakest moment, not be defined by their battle to overcome who, um, who, who they're struggling to not be. Does that make sense? So that's just some thoughts on my mind. And uh, those are the leaders in our homes, in our community, our churches, our civic groups, and in our companies, in our professional organizations, who I think that most of us value the most. So maybe we can all in this new year and in the weeks and months ahead, lean a little bit more into that. And that's what's on my mind as we celebrate this holiday season. So for whatever faith you profess or whatever holiday you're celebrating or whatever event or thing that you're marking at this time of year, I just wish you happy holidays. And I hope, as I've said in some of the other previous uh, recent episodes, I hope that you're able to spend some time with people who you love most. I, the, the older I get, the more I realize life is about moments. It's, it's, it's really about very specific moments. And, um, and the older I get, the more I value them, the more I feel myself and recognize myself going, hang on just for a second, Russ, just look around, just feel this, just appreciate this, soak up this moment, be fully present in it, enjoy it and value it because this moment isn't going to happen real frequently and so really enjoy it now. And I, I've realized how much very specific, quick, brief moments um, are, what a gift those are in our, in our lives. And, I, I, and I, I, some of the regrets I have in my life is like I look at photos or videos that I have of the kids um, or our family through the years. And I think, man, I didn't enjoy that moment enough. Like I didn't soak up that moment that's captured on that picture in that picture enough. And so the older I get, the more I realize, man, just appreciate these moments where we do get to be together. And uh, for our family, this is the first Christmas in a couple of years um, where we'll, we'll all be uh, physically together. And um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to have parents who are still alive who I'll, I won't be with physically, but I'll be able to talk to on the phone and interact with and just grateful to, to, to have a clear mind, a healthy mind, and to be able to understand and appreciate and, and be fully in that moment. And I know some of you, as you hear me say some of that, you don't have everybody all together or your parents aren't all together or you don't have a child or somebody that's going to be home. And I, I'm sensitive to that and, um, and hope that you're happy. I hope you've got peace in this holiday season. Um, in a world full of so much noise, so much division, so much criticism, so many critics, skeptics, um, we just need more cheerleaders. We need more people of faith. And, and when, I mean, when I say that, I don't mean necessarily religious. I just mean believers, people who are looking at the bright side of things, who are trying to develop others, who are seeing potential, who, who um, are trying to build unity and help others. You know what I mean? Anyway, I, ho I hope you have a happy holiday season, you all. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you. And with that, I'll talk to you in the next episode.